right. I know that uh, we're going to get you to get back to your seats as you do that. Let me say good morning to everybody who is online with us as well. Um, my name is Sean, and I'm one of the pastors here on this team. And are you excited to be in church today? Come on, somebody. Good. It's a good morning so far, so we're excited that uh, you're here, that you've taken some time out of your schedules to come and uh, hear about this Jesus that we, we really like, and so I'm glad that you're here today. You'll notice that I'm wearing a pink t-shirt. It's not common in my uh, clothing repertoire, uh, but it's important because this uh, Wednesday across our nation is Pink Shirt Day, and Pink Shirt Day is really an advocacy for people who have been bullied in their lives, and this is a moment to bring some dignity and to bring some justice back to people who have had it stripped from them. And so today I, I wear this to help us as a church recognize that this week is actually very pivotal um, in what we can do for the kingdom of God, that the power of your words when given in a way that honors God can change the trajectory of somebody's life. And a lot of people in this culture today, you see it everywhere from the friends, the workplaces, the schools, the social media. You hear people tearing people down all the time. Can we be a church this week that brings a little bit of dignity back to some people's lives? So my challenge to you is every day this week, let's not just wait till Wednesday to wear pink. Let's every day this week find a spot where we can actually say to somebody, you're pretty cool and God loves you and you're the best person I've seen all day, right? So practice that right now. Tell someone right beside you, you're the best look, good looking person and I've seen all day. Let's, let's get it into play. Let's bring it back. It's true. <laughs> so just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Lisa and I got back from Thailand, and uh, Bangkok was our hub. It was our place where we kind of traveled in and out of to get to all of our other locations, destinations. And about two-thirds of the way through our trip, we came back to Bangkok, and we were pretty exhausted, pretty worn down. And so that night, I remember in the hotel room, it was a little bit early. I really re wasn't ready to retire the night away, but Lisa was not feeling well, and so she's like, I'm just staying low tonight. I'm like, well... Listen, I, I'm not staying in this room. I got to go do something. So I, I came up with the suggestion that I'm going to go for a massage. Um, and she's like, peace out. <laughs> like, just get out of my space, maybe. So I, 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 before I left the room, I got on the phone because we were instructed to, if we wanted to do something like this, here's the place where you could call. So I picked up the phone and I called this Thai massage place. And I was like, I, I would like to make an appointment for an hour massage. I would like my shoulders and my neck because there's nothing better than a scalp massage too, yes? Uh, especially for those of us who are blessed with no hair. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. Anyway, so I wanted this, but the, the more important actually of the, of the massage was to get my feet worked on because we had been running hard, we, we, lots of things. So I just, I wanted that. And, and honestly, as I'm talking on the phone, this is kind of what I'm getting back for some of you that are a little bit more older school, you'll understand Charlie Brown. It, was, it sounded like this back to me as I'm speaking good, clear Canadian language. And I don't know if they are registering what I'm trying to put down. Right, And so I even said to Lisa, getting off the phone, I'm like, I don't know if they're... So I, I, I made a plan. I'm like, I'm going to leave now. I'm going to walk up. I'm going to go a little bit early just because I don't know if they understand. I don't even know if I even have an appointment, but I, I'm going to just in faith go. And I get there, and as I walk through the door, instantly, somebody meets me, 
And they usher me back to this back space where I can begin to engage in this, this massage. And I'll tell you, a, a Thai massage is, is unreal. It's unlike anything I think I've ever experienced before. This gentleman who was my masseuse, I guess, Man, that guy had strong hands. I mean, he was working me over, and it felt great. But this is where uh, it's, it's different. If you've ever had a massage here in Canada, it's a little bit different when you get over into Thailand. In fact, I, my massage took place in a lazy boy chair. That's where they do the massage. And then they kind of move your body around to kind of get to the place. So I was loving it. Well, I'm about 45 minutes into this massage, and I am just loving my life. I don't want it to end. And like, this, is, this is absolutely brilliant. And then I quickly realized, okay, but we have not yet moved to the area of the massage that I really wanted to focus on. It was the, the feet. And uh, sure enough, 15 minutes passes by, and then the dude has not touched my feet. And I'm like, I was pretty clear on the phone what I wanted. But again, that communication, it just wasn't registering. And he stands up, and he, he's like, and he ushers to me. He's like, stand up, and time to go. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I, I really want my feet to be worked on. And he looks at me, and I'm like, just a little bit. Like, give, give me 15 minutes or something like that. Just, And then all of a sudden, he just left the room. And I'm like, okay, did I offend this guy? <laughs> like, what's going on? About 10 minutes later, he returns back to the room with a basin of water, and it looks like we're about to engage for the 15 minutes of time that I, I, I wanted to do. And this is good. So I, 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 I stay in my chair, and all of a sudden, he begins to work on my feet. But the thing with a foot massage in Thailand, it turns into a whole leg thing as well. And it was brilliant. I'm being stretched in ways I didn't know I could stretch anymore. Like, it was just so much fun to sit there. And then I realized that at 15 minutes, this guy was not stopping. And he wanted to go a little bit further. And then all of a sudden, I realized I've got another communication problem because now Lisa is texting me. Where are you? Are you lost? Are you dead? Like, what is going on? Because you're not back with me. And, and I'm like, I can't pick up my phone and start texting with you in the middle of this massage. And so I'm deciding to ride it out. And all of a sudden, that 15 minutes, which I thought, turned into another complete hour of massage. Now, I sat in that chair for two hours getting this Thai massage, which I got to say was fantastic. But you want to know the one thought that I was not excited about was giving my visa to these people at the end of the moment. And as I did, I quickly realized that it cost me 28 Canadian dollars for a two-hour massage. <laughs> Somebody, Jesus is alive, okay? Like, th this, this is fantastic. How many of you want to come to Thailand with me right now? And we're going for massages, all on Pastor Tyson's dollar. Like, it's going to be great. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord for Tyson. Anyway, okay. But I, so I, I had this experience of a two-hour massage, which I didn't know what it was quite going to be like when I even showed up to start the whole ordeal. I got to tell you, it was an odd encounter. Um, but the reward definitely, it was great. And, and as I started to process this fun little moment, it, it actually reminded me of another type of communication that you and I engage in quite often. And it's this communication type called prayer. Have you ever had those experiences where you kind of go to God and you're like, hey, I, dot, dot, dot. And you're like, are you even there? Like, do you hear what I'm trying to communicate to you? 
Or you feel like, God, I, I don't really know how to speak in tongues, so I'm going to speak in just English right now. Can you still understand? Have you ever had those moments where you've communicated with God and it's just like, do you even see me? Do you even hear me? And, and I was thinking about my silly little massage and how like I, I needed to, even though I didn't know what was about to happen, I still had to step into that shop. I needed to make the move. And, I, and, and that was important for me because I had to show that I was ready to get going. And I didn't know if the Thai people were going to take care of this ailing old body uh, that was in front of you today. But nonetheless, I was thinking about it in the same way with prayer. The point is you got to still show up, right? you got to show up to God, and you don't know what is going to happen, but you work with what you've got. And here's the reality. God will take care of the details the way he needs to in our lives. But I felt that disconnect of communication in my life. And I actually think that that's something that you and I together will struggle with. Now, I, I know that in Matthew chapter 6, we are kind of instructed by Jesus how to pray. In fact, in our church-wide Bible reading plan, and if you have not yet joined the Bible reading plan, you got to go to our webpage and sign up for it. Because even today, it was Luke chapter 11, and it's the same prayer that I'm alluding to in Matthew chapter 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that prayer. But what I want to do for the sake of our series of Rooted and what God has kind of been communicating to us as a church is I, I, I want to speak from arguably one of the greatest prayers ever given in the entire Bible. Uh, it's here in these words today, and, and this is a prayer that I have had spoken over my life personally. I know that it is a prayer that our pastoral team has prayed over you whether you knew that or not, but it is something that we have done. I believe that when you walk away from church today, whether in the building or you're online with us, I believe that you're about to be encouraged. I believe that you're gonna be edified in your faith and whatever is in your path, starting today, the moment you leave church, I believe that you are going to be able to engage it with what we're about to read together. And what we are about to discuss over these next moments is what I would describe as an unfathomable God. The, the words and the communication that comes from the Apostle Paul describe an unfathomable God. And I think in some ways, many of us, we wrestle with that statement that I've even just communicated. Unfathomable? Like, I, I need to know these things about God. I need to know how he ticks, how he acts, and all of these types of things. But what I'm about to say is, is an unfathomable God. But, and, and, and here's the reality. But if you worship a God you can figure out, you have the wrong God. Okay? So the things that we're about to look at, you got the wrong God. And so we're going to take a look at this. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. A really short prayer. But it is a prayer that is jam-packed with the unfathomable God and what he does. And it starts this way. For this reason... I kneel before the Father. So the Apostle Paul enters into this exchange, and what he's doing is he's praying for the Ephesian church, but he's praying for you and I today, right now, 2024. He's praying this prayer over our lives. So he comes to God with this confidence, with this extravagance. In fact, the things that he's about to communicate and say, I mean, I don't know the last time you and I have probably prayed this way, but it's, it's really beautiful. Not only that, he comes in with this incredible boldness. It's as if Paul was listening to his own words from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, where I can approach the throne of God of grace with boldness. And so all of a sudden, this Paul is approaching God with a boldness behind him. 
Now, for this reason, of course, the question is, well, what's the reason, Paul? Like, I mean, if you're just jumping in with this brand new today, that's okay, but we're going to catch you up to speed right now. But what's the reason, Paul, that you can approach this God this way? And he basically begins to tell us a recap of Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. Our church has been walking through this for months, I think from October forward. And basically, Paul, of what he knows and and really what he has been given by God to communicate to people, it's for this reason he's going to pray to this God this way. In chapter 1, he kind of just says this. Here's here's the reason why I'm going to pray for you right now. And it's a big deal. Because you're chosen because you've been adopted into God's family. You have been redeemed. Guess what? You've been forgiven. That's a good thing. Um, I'm going to show you a mystery. How many of you want an inheritance? Oh yeah, this is for you too. And he continues by saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. For these reasons, I'm actually going to go pray now for you of everything that God has done. Then he goes to chapter two, and where he begins to tell us about his son, Jesus Christ, that even though you and I, we are dead in our sins and our trespasses, guess what? We've been made alive in Jesus Christ. He showed up into this earth, he looked at us, and he has redeemed our lives. In fact, when he looks at you today, this is what he thinks about you, according to Ephesians chapter two. You are a masterpiece. You are a beautiful work of art. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. It's true. I mean, speak that over their lives today because God has told it to us here. Not only that, the, the message is then broadcast to every na- nationality in this world, any color, any race, any nation. The message of Jesus Christ is for you too. And then in chapter three, he talks to us a little bit more about that grace. And as we discussed last week, where he says that the church is the plan for the world, where God is looking at it and he's saying, I love it when a plan comes together, right? Like this is what he, for these reasons, I'm going to go to my father. And notice what Paul does. He is in prison. I don't know his circumstances, situations. But in prison, it shows us that he goes down on his knees. It makes me think, when's the last time you or I went to my knees in prayer? Because when he goes to his knees, it's an expression of humility. And it's interesting because in the Jewish culture, kneeling was not their go-to. In fact, their standing, hands raised, was how they often acknowledged God in prayer. Yes, you will see some examples in Scripture of those who went to their knees in prayer. And it is an example that we need to follow. But do you also notice what Paul does? For all of these incredible reasons of this unfathomable God, I kneel and then see how he addresses them as Father. When's the last time you went to the big guy in the sky but addressed him as father? Hey, dad, I need you. And you allowed humility to rise in you as you went to your knees to approach this unfathomable God. So for this reason, I kneel before the father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. All All Paul is trying to remind you and I of at this moment is that God is the creator again of everything. Everything under heaven and earth. Everything you see in earth is from him. Everything in heaven that you can't even see today, it is from him. Everything derives itself under his name. In fact, in chapter 1, verses 22, we were reminded that God has put everything. Somebody say everything. 
everything under Jesus' authority. In fact, he goes on to say that Jesus is the head of the entire church. Months ago on the stage, I brought some Barbies off, and I pulled the heads off of them. If you did not see that, go back, take a look at it. But it was an illustration of understanding that verse actually in, in specificity. The idea is this, that because of our world, its cultures and our systems, we are running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We're in chaos, we're in disarray, and yet as we were reminded last week, guess what? God has built his church and the gates of hell cannot do anything against it. And yet we run around frantic and thinking, what in the world is going on? But when Jesus is told here in this, in this verse that God is placing the head back on, what he is saying is he is about to recapitulate. He's taking the head of the Barbie, placing it back on to make one point. Jesus is still in control, folks. He has always been. Nothing is ever going to change from that course. Jesus is in control. And so Paul reminds us. This is a great prayer. Then he starts jumping into the prayer. And this is where it gets really good. He says that I pray out of his glorious riches, God's glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. So this is Paul's first request in this prayer. And it's a beautiful request. He asks that the word riches, the glorious riches of God would be yours. And this is good because what the word riches denotes is a generous measure. All I would like to comment on here is that when it comes to God's bank account or his resource center, guess what? It never runs dry. Anybody want that today? Anybody need that today? His glorious riches. Then he goes on to continue with the word strengthen. And this word strengthen means to fortify or to invigorate. And what Paul is praying that God would do that in power in you today. Here's the question. Do you need something in your life today that needs some strength? Does anybody have a situation that is going on and you would say, you know what, Sean, I need that strength today. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's other relationships, education, work. There are so many things that may need strength. But notice what we see in this text is that what needs strengthening the most is what? Your inner being which actually says there's a lot more going on than just the physical that we often want to refer to. It shows us that there is something internal that God wants to do some work in in our lives together. I like what Tim Keller says about this external-internal approach, and this is what he says. Notice how Paul does not pray for an improvement in their external circumstances, but internal knowledge. He prays that the doctrines of chapters 1 to 3 that us Christians have intellectually believed, but that they would become experientially real to their hearts. And so what Paul is saying is when it comes to our lives today, guess what? God has got an, a bank account and a resource center that is full of riches. Not only that, I want to strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, but I want to do it in your inner being, and we cannot Walk away from the fact that God's plan for you and I today is that the Holy Spirit of God would bring inner transformation into your hearts. We want the external things to disappear, but what Paul is pointing us to is that God is about to go to the root issue. He's about to go to your inner man or your inner woe man in order to make the point of transformation. And I love that about what he does. So whether or not you feel strong or not today, or you feel that you cannot be strong, guess what? The deposit of the Holy Spirit is in you. And that allows you to stand. 
So that's the first request that Paul really gives. And then all of a sudden in verse 17, it, it reads this. So that Christ may dwell, somebody say dwell, dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now the key word of this verse, the champion of this verse is this word dwell, which in the Greek uh, says oikio. Somebody say oikio. All right, it's a great word and it means to dwell. It is also related to the noun oikos, which is the Costco yogurt. Yes, I mean, you know, how many of you have that yogurt? It's fantastic. It feels like home, apparently. Uh, so according to the language of what is there. Now, again, what I'm about to say just over these next minutes, it could be the most nerdiest thing that you're about to hear me say today. Or for those of you that like different language, it's going to be the most educated thing I'll share with you. Okay? So, but this root word, oikio is important because what authors would do is that they would begin to place preposition and they would add it to these Greek words so that it created a greater uh, significance and a different meaning. And so what we see oftentimes when it comes to this oikio word in the word of God is per oikio. And peroikio means to dwell beside. And so that literal par just means that that dwelling is now beside something or somebody. But you would begin to see that the definitions here, are, it refers to a visitor, a guest, or a sojourner. Somebody who is not here permanently, but it's just a temporary play. But when we translate the word peroikio back to English, we get the word perish, which has been known as the word church. So the peroikio is church, which is important for us to understand. Because what we know in Scripture is this when it comes to this idea, that when, if as a church we need to understand that when it comes to this earth, guess what? We're actually just visitors. We're guests. We're sojourners. Why? Because earth is not our home. What is? Heaven is our home. Isn't it neat what the Greek language can begin to pull out of some of these words? But this is the fun part about our text. The Apostle Paul does not want to use the word paroikio. He actually wants to use the preposition cat, which I have issue with already, I know, with this cat language. But he calls it kaoikio, which means to dwell down, to settle down, to permanently reside. What Paul is saying to us when he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, he is praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts, not as a visitor, but as a permanent resident, that he is the master of your lives. And I like what David Guzik says, because this is the pushback that you and I will like to give to Christ having permanent residency in our hearts and lives. And he says that we need spiritual strength to let Christ dwell in us, because there is something in us that resists the influence of the indwelling Jesus. I know that this is my story. I actually think it's, it's your story today. But really, this is the second request that Paul places in front of God for you and I today, and it's this, that Jesus Christ would have temple residence of your entire body so that the world will know his love through you and that we will love other people the way Christ has loved us. And that's important for us to see today. I actually really appreciate the words of Robert Munger when it comes to this temple residency and whether or not you are allowing Jesus full access to your lives. And he says this, it is time for us to let Christ go beyond the living room where many of us want him to stay 
It's to invite Christ into the kitchen or the dining room to transform our eating. It's into the family room to transform all of our relationships, into the recreation room to transform the way we spend our free time. It's into the study and to transform what we read and what we allow into our minds. It's even into the bedroom to transform the most intimate of space into all the secret closets, cleansing, healing, and freeing. Let me ask you, are you more looking at Jesus Christ as your paroikio in temporary residency, or are you looking at him in the true intentions of what Paul has asked, and it is the katoikio, where Christ has temple residence in you? Greek language is beautiful for us to see it. Okay, let me snap out of my nerdy educational moments. Let's get back to the text. Paul uses two metaphors when he talks about dwelling of Christ in your hearts. And he says that you are rooted and established or rooted and grounded in love. Notice the tense of what he is saying. He is not saying that you are about to be grounded or rooted. He says that you are rooted and grounded. This, for many of us, can be a game changer if we allow it to be. In the fact of, is that when you come and you belong in Christ, you are now grounded and rooted in truth and grace. And he uses two metaphors. He uses an agricultural one, rooted, basically saying to you, you can't be uprooted. Like, this is his promise to you that you can stand there. There's a structural metaphor, and he talks about the foundations of your life, that when you come to Christ, you have these things. They are a part of your inheritance in your walk with Jesus Christ. And notice, though, that they come from one thing in the text, and it comes from love, and it is the love of God. Let me prove it to you in verses 18 to 19, so that you will have power now but together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all. Somebody say all. All the fullness of God. All of the riches, all of the strength of this unfathomable God is yours. What Paul is saying to us here is he wants us to know experientially the things of God. He wants us to understand and comprehend them, but he is not asking for you and I today to live in speculation, guesswork, emotions, or feeling. He is saying, I, I know that you could know God's love experientially. How many of you today have ever experienced God's love in your life? And how many of us today would love to experience God's love more in my life? That's what Paul is talking about. All the fullness, I can, I can relieve, release it to you. And really what Paul is doing here is we suddenly have a, a, a prayer and an ask of power and presence. I mean, he wants the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your inner man. So there's that power theme again. But it's this presence that wherever you go, no matter what you do, where, wherever it may be and wherever you have to be taken, that the presence of God is, is your lot in life. You can have that with him. And oftentimes when we've looked at this, it, it comes down to that word love. And many people are like, we cannot define the love of God. We can't explain it. I actually say, yeah, you can According to the text we just read, it actually gave us some dimensions of the love of God. I don't know if you've caught this before, but I mean, he literally says that the love of Christ, of God, is wide. So the first thing I think about is, is a river. I don't know if you've noticed a river in and out of certain seasons. And what we know about the river is that the more it, it widens itself with the water, it covers more space, right? 
Well, the width of God's love means this to us today. It covers everybody. Everybody is welcome to the love of Jesus Christ. It covers all. It continues that you could look at the length, actually, of the love of God. And let me ask you this question for, for all of us here today. When, when did God pursue you? When did he first start pursuing you? To which I think we can actually say this is a reference to eternity. He's always pursued you. The question is whether or not I wanted to pursue him. And so we see that the length of God's love is that he's always been on your tail. He's always been looking to be there with you. And that is encouraging news for us. He, um, Paul continues, he talks about, let's talk about the depth actually of God's love. Which actually when he wants to talk about the depth of God's love means that he wants to talk to us about the death of Jesus Christ. That he died for the worst of sinners, Sean Chapman. For you. That's the depth of this love. And then he continues to talk about the height of the love, which means one day soon, I am going to spend my eternity with him in heaven, my glorious home. And that is exciting to me. But I can define the love of God here today, and that's exciting. And what God wants to do here with us is this. He actually wants to fill us with all of this. This is why Paul prays these things. Because he wants you to be godly. But notice that he doesn't ask you to be like God. Imagine with me a glass of water, right? Just because I keep filling that cup with more water, the glass does not become water, right? And just like when God wants to fill us with his godliness of all of these riches we have just prayed through, he's not expecting you to be God because you can't. So don't try it. But the purpose is godly. And then he finishes with these last two verses. And to do this, will you stand with me? Let's take a look at them together. So after everything that Paul has now prayed in boldness, he says, now to God, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we all can ask or imagine. Notice what he says, according to his power that is where? Within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, our theme. Are you in today, everybody? Well, I'm in, because I'm in Christ here. Throughout all the generations, forever and ever, and everybody would say, amen. amen. Now, what I want you to do, and we can lower everything, lights down, whatever, now take all of the incredible goodness and depth of the prayer that we just read through that Paul gave to us. And I just want to ask you to contemplate one thought again today here in this place. If you worship a God who you can figure out, you've got the wrong God. Like what Paul has prayed over us is unbelievable. In fact, many of us today, we've asked certain things of God. And I want you to be reminded that the thing that you asked for, guess what? God is able to do more than what you just asked. Some of you today, you are thinking of some things and you've even presented them to God. Let me tell you, God can do more than you even think in our limited natures. Some of you today, you are imagining and dreaming. And let me encourage you. That God can do what? More than. We can ask or imagine. Because it's who he is. 
as an unfathomable God. This prayer was not just meant for the Ephesian church. I think in my preach team notes, they said that these words were also meant for Colwoodians. Colwoodians. I was like, okay, you Islanders, you Victorians, this is for you. This is for me. This is God. He wants to do. So this is how I would like to finish. I want to pray this over you one more time. I want to enact what the Apostle Paul does because he calls on a great God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than what I'm about to ask according to his word in you so that your inner man will be filled with the riches and the strength, power of the Holy Spirit. So for this reason, I kneel before the unfathomable Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen all of us today with his power through the Spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may cat oikio in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established already in love, that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And if you agree, say it with me. Amen. Are you excited you came to church today? That's a good word. Thank you, Paul, for actually showing us the magnitude of this God. And he's passionate for you today. He loves you. And he is able to do more than whatever you are walking through today because he is worthy of all praise. And guess what? He is recapitulating all things today for his glory and his renown. Amen? So, with that good news in your heart, we are going to sing one more time. We're going to sing the song that these guys taught us a little bit earlier about praise. Because if you don't get moved by that prayer today, I don't know what's going to take it for you, right? So, I'll come back and give you some final instructions. But uh, let's do this. Come on, let's sing. Let's praise his name today for he's good. I'll praise when I'm sure and praise when I'm down. I'll praise when I'm hungry and praise when surrounded. Cause praise is the water, the enemy.
instruction on the screen and perhaps today you're like I need that Jesus I, I need that life so we're going to encourage you to text the word life to 250-478-7113 and it gives you an opportunity to say you know what I need Jesus that way so I think Alejandro we're going to throw that up onto the screen for everybody to see not only that if you are brand new today welcome to Callwood Church we like to have fun in church it's okay because that's who God is. He's a fun guy, right? So listen, welcome to our church. And if you are new, I see Pastor James, Pastor Tyson are in the back, welcome center. Go say good morning to them. But listen, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more because his power is in you. Let's go. Let's praise the Lord this week. Let's lift somebody up. Glory to his name. We love you, church. Have a good week.